Welcome to Commonwealth Sports Talk, special edition as we celebrate women in sports, as we bring you a four-part series, as this is part one of four. We'd like to welcome Dr. Jen Welter as our first guest. Once again, this podcast is designed to spread knowledge, teach, and inform the listener and viewer about the positive advancement of women in sports both in Virginia and outside in this world, making all things possible for those young ladies trying to strive for success. Again, this podcast is brought to you by Commonwealth Sports Talk and Legacy Maple Sports. And again, let's jump right into it. Uh, Being limitless from the first woman to coach in the NFL looks just like that. And then um, if you have little ones in your life, I actually created a kids book series called Critter Fitter. Um, and there are four books out on Amazon. Um, is that the one with the mask? It is. <laughs> Yo, I told you I was on it. I was studying stuff that didn't even, I was like, "Yo, there's nothing them. you won't do. That's you know what? It was the best way I could think of to help in these hard times, yeah. right? To give, give families and communities ways to talk about these tough things because they are hard but they're much harder if we don't have ways and resources to deal with them so you know i was like i can write this absolutely Ah. and uh paired up with my good friend brooke foley and our illustrator amanda and you know we created uh the series so that's awesome my Thank you for joining Commonwealth Sports Talk. Uh, we are welcome and privileged to have a guest uh, unlike no other as we bring you a different episode unlike we normally do from the state of Virginia. If you've noticed and followed us, we've been working on women in sports and how important it is to stress the importance of equality and giving them their just due for all in women in sports. So I've been a big advocate, but none bigger than who I have one today as our guest, uh, Dr. Jen Welter. Um, Dr. Jen, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your efforts and, um, you know, just glad to have you on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Great to be here. And I appreciate, um, you using your platform to support women in sports. So important. Um, you know, not only do girls need to see it, but, um, you know, men need to see it too. So absolutely. Absolutely. I've got this quote that says, uh, every show it's, this podcast is designed to spread knowledge, teach, and inform the listener and viewer about the positive advancement of Virginia athletes born or raised. So since women in sports, I kind of twigged it around and said, you know, this uh, episode is designed to spread knowledge, teach, and inform the listener and viewer about the positive advancement of women in sports. And so every time I've posted or been an advocate for it, it's always been women in sports. And so, you know, the awareness in the movement is real. And so it gets no you know, really than having you on. And so that explains it to my guests as the like, is she from Virginia? I'm like, no, but she is a trailblazer. Actually, I, have and some, a, I have some Virginia roots though. My mom is from Virginia. Talk it girl, talk it. Yes. yes. My mom grew up on a farm in the Shenandoah Valley. Um, and my grandma was educated there. Um, you know, she, she was a, uh, actually a teacher and nice. you know had degrees that you know women weren't really allowed to have back then so yes see i love how you can get that in there and that's that's the small world reference that's a great feeling um i just 
like, obviously, I'm glad to have your time in February because Women's History Month is coming up in March. And, you know, I'm obviously bringing awareness to that point, And we're going to have this special in March. So I'm just happy to be able to party for my birthday in March. And then now to have another reason, which is Women's History Month, because I've 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 informed myself three times the amount I might've known maybe two years ago, but I've always been an advocate of Title IX. But I was like, Title IX so outdated. Let me talk about something relevant. Let me see what's being relevant. And so, you know, these um, women trailblazing and setting new trends in the professional ranks is just amazing. And it starts with you. Um, and I want to throw my roses as we do at Commonwealth Sports as you're the first uh, woman in the NFL under Bruce Arians at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so that experience to me, had to be eye-opening for all men, you know, because women understand. So take me through how you think that helped you with your platform. Like how, how did that push you forward? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. The way I ended up with the Cardinals um, was I actually played in men's pro football first. And I think that's really important because, you know, football specifically didn't have that interconnectivity between even the women that were playing and the guys that were playing. You know, like if you look at basketball and I use that for an example, because, you know, you have the NBA and the WNBA, mm -hmm. you have collegiate teams that grow up in the same building, which means you have the same respect, right? Mm -hmm. It's game recognizes game, yes. right? And when you're out on the same field with somebody like, yeah, I mean, I might be smaller, but when you see the love of the game and the technique and all of those things, you can appreciate that, right? The packaging might be different, but you appreciate that. Yes. And so that didn't really exist for women and men in football. And so when I went and played on the revolution, it, it was, you know, there were the questions of, you know, what would happen if a woman played, you know, this, we'd never seen this before in positions outside of kickers. And for the guys, you know, they really didn't know what to think and ended up stepping up and being some of my biggest allies, mm -hmm. right? Like, Clinton Solomon, former Chicago Bear, was on that team. And, you know, he was, you know, he said he was he was going to have my back. He come, came up to me and said that day one and always did. And we talked just the other day and I was like, you know, nice. thank you. I really appreciate you. And, you know, how you always stepped up for me. And he was like, don't thank me. He was like, you know, I thank you because you made us all better men on that team. Seeing you do that in the sport that, you know, other people said was impossible. We, we saw how you showed up every day, right? Mm -hmm. And so we earned each other's respect. And they actually used to joke sometimes because, you know, though I played running back for the revolution, I am a defensive player by trade. Yep. Um, yep. And so if I was like on practice squad or not in, I would see stuff on defense and be like, hey, try this next time. You know, because mm -hmm. indoor staffs are not big. So we'd always have to look out for each other, right? And they would joke and be like, you're like our little coach on the sidelines. I'm like, yes. And it's amazing. I get to take everything in this brain and put it in your big old body, right? It was like, you know, <laughs> it was almost like when you have the little tiny alien and the big spaceship, right? Yeah. Uh, and the big robot, right? Yeah. So we used to joke about it, but it, it never really occurred to me that a woman could coach because there wasn't someone in men's pro football that I could look at and say, I'm coming. I'm doing what you're doing. This is amazing. And thankfully, because of the respect that, you know, and the bonds that we formed playing together when former Dallas Cowboy Wendell Davis 
came in as a coach the following season, mm-hmm. he saw how the guys responded to me and mm. sat me down, grilled me on football. And then the next day called me and said, all my defensive coordinator and I could talk about is how you have to coach this football team. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh. I said, what do you mean? No. And I said, no, no, you know, I, I've never coached before, you know, you know, women don't do that. Like, I, no. And he said, not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this job. And I said, no. And I hung up on him. Wow. And the next day he called me back and told me about myself. He said, <laughs> you remember how I told you not a lot of guys were going to give you this opportunity and you were taking this job? I said, yeah. He said, good. I took it for you. You're coaching for me and you can't quit. Otherwise, the entire narrative surrounding women coaching and men's pro football will be, we had a girl once and she quit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put what? that weight on your shoulders. They you put did. that weight on your shoulders. But it was necessary because I have a lot of snippets that go right in between what you said with B.A. and Dot Murphy. Dot Murphy was a key influence in his seeing how it's done. She was a coach. For those who don't know, a woman coach in the 70s, and she did not look at it any different. And so for B.A. to have that visual, he had to have saw it in you. And then also sometimes you do need to have that adversity or to be pushed into a narrative, especially when you you don't think you're bigger than the narrative, but sometimes you have to step out of your own step, uh, feet and, and represent something bigger than yourself. And I think that was what the pressure was. And so commends to you. like Well, you know, and it was, and because Wendell did that, then once I got to coaching, I was like, okay, I could do this. Yeah. Right? I, I actually, you know, and I think about it now and I tell that story though, because we all have those moments, mm-hmm. right? Where we don't know if we can step up or we have that doubt and we talk ourselves out of a situation as opposed to talking ourselves into it. Right. At that time, I already had, you know, a a storied football career plus a master's and a PhD. Mm -hmm. And because I couldn't see it, I did not believe that I could be it. So Mm -hmm. when Wendell saw that in me, then I was like, oh, okay. And the guys responded and we were doing really well. And then so it's funny that you mentioned BA and Dot Murphy because there's another connection that's really cool. So the way I ended up getting to BA in the Cardinals was. When Sarah Thomas was hired as the first full-time ref in NFL Mm -hmm. history, a reporter asked B.A. if he could ever see a woman coaching in the NFL. And basically his response was, the second a woman proves she can make these guys better, she'll be hired. Mm. Right? So we ended up calling the Cardinals. Like I actually ended up calling them on behalf of my head coach so my head coach could talk to their head coach. Now, Sarah Thomas... Her aunt played on a U.S. basketball team that was coached by Dot Murphy. So Dot Murphy was a mentor of Sarah's throughout her whole life. So you just never know where that influence is going to come into play. And Sarah and I have laughed, right? Because I've had people say, well, you should be a rep. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I should not. Because I'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, impartial, impartial, impartial. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I told her that story and I laughed about it one day and she goes, Jen, did you know that's why I went to refing football? Because I couldn't do basketball because basketball was her sport that she played. And she's like, I would be exactly like you when it comes to basketball. But my entree to football is simply in being impartial. Mm -hmm. And so it's just it's so fascinating how interconnected all of those things are. And. You know, and Sarah didn't know about my connection to Dot or BAs 
until an interview I was doing and she called me. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, really important stuff. And then what I have to say is BA did something really smart in terms of the respect level with the players. And there's, there are, well, there are lots of reasons why BA is a player's coach, but in this one, I think it was particularly um, an important leadership lesson. And, you know, he basically had leaders on his team, leaders in the locker room that are like his players council that he goes to. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know until I was writing my book that when BA had decided that he wanted to do this, right. Mm -hmm. And met with me and I impressed him. He went to the leaders in his locker room Mm -hmm. and talked to those guys and said, you know, we have an opportunity to do something really special. Um, I want to hire the first female coach in NFL history. You all saw her. She came out to practice, you know, that kind of thing. And when they all said yes, when they all said they wanted to be a part of history and they were behind it, that's when he essentially moved the needle like up the flagpole in terms of, you know, getting, checking all the box, right? You know, Steve Kime, Michael Bidwell, because if they hadn't gone for it, then it wouldn't have worked, right? If those guys didn't want me there, it didn't matter if I was Bruce Arians in a skirt, right? In terms of football acumen, mm-hmm. if they weren't going to let it work or listen, mm-hmm. then it would not have been so successful. So I give so much respect to BA and all of those players. And let me tell you, the second I knew we were going to be just fine, well, there were a few, but the first one was when guys were like, oh yeah, coach, we all watched your game film. Yeah. Beast. Like, oh man, we should see you coming off the edge. You were a terror, blah, 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 blah. So they had done their homework. And as athletes, we all know that is the ultimate sign of respect, right? I'm going to check out your game film. Yep. Oh, oh, you think you ball? Let me see for myself because yep. they took it and invested and they knew everything about me. And the thing that got me the most credibility with those men is that I had played against men. That was what I was about to say. I knew you was going to go there. I knew you. I was letting you get all of it out. And I was like, she's going to say it. And the thing is, you are quoted as saying, nobody gave a damn about me until I got tackled by men. And I think that is such a great quote in the sense of saying women's football is underappreciated. First and foremost, let's not act like we don't get the message here. But the respect from men coming in football won't come until it's actually in football. And so being a running back was your ultimate barrier breaker that just continued to domino with everything else, all the trailblazing uh, barriers you were breaking and how you became successful. So, yeah, I just had to throw that in there. But that is dope, like super awesome. And it's funny that you you said it that way, because there are still guys and players that don't realize that's the same person. Mm that, you know, the woman who played football against men was the same one who coached in the NFL. Yep. And I remember, and I don't even remember who it was, which is probably good anyway, because I don't like to <laughs> the snakes in the mix, right? Um, but it was a guy I met, um, we were doing like an event, something, and he played in the league like a long time. And somebody was like, you got to meet Jen, you know, she's the first woman to coach in the NFL. And he was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And he, and he was like, whoa, like that was, you know, kind of low standoffish. And he said, I have some bad coaches, mm. which is valid, right? We, valid. we all have. And as soon as he said it, I was like, fair, me too. Absolutely. Right? Like, but I, I can't. That I took can't him down a different road. Right? And, and then they were like, yeah, but she played too. And he was like, wait, you played? 
And they're like, yeah, she played for the U.S. national team. She even played running back for men. And he goes, no, that was you? And he goes, all right, we're good. He's like, like, coaching is one thing, but I remember that. And, like, that was serious. And, I, you know, and it's so interesting because everybody has their different point of entry, right? You have to meet people where they are. And not everybody's going to get you. Not everybody's going to like it. But it, when you're consistent, people will respect that consistency, right? Yeah. Oh, well, you just got into NFL. That's a big thing. I'm like, yeah, but do you know the body of work before? Absolutely. And do you know what I've done with that opportunity? Absolutely. That's why I'm a big fan, you know, and just allowing myself to hear the stories verbatim, even though I've read up so much, it still resonates to me. You know, it hits me different. And so I'm glad to hear them again, you know, the culture. And I'm going to talk about a couple touching points that you yeah. mentioned. The culture of BA and Tampa Bay speaks volumes as to how he has diversity in all walks of nature on his coaching staff. So when they won, that was bigger than just the Super Bowl. So it I was. just wanted to throw that out there first and foremost. And, and know, I was telling everybody, people didn't understand because, you know, I coached in that TBD, which I say is Tampa Bay defense, mm-hmm. right? People were talking about TB12. And I was like, no, it's going to be TBD because Todd Bowles. That's right. Todd Bowles defense, TBD. So the Super Bowl was won by TB3, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, Todd Bowles. Don't forget that Todd Bowles, right? And I obviously obviously count the offense with with Tom Brady, but Mm -hmm. too often it was Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. And if that defense had not played the way it did, that game does not go the way it did. Right? Todd, Brady played, Brady was solid. Yeah, yeah. But that Todd Bowles D yes, was, was phenomenal. And let me tell you something else too. Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator, and Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator, did an outstanding job coaching so many different men of character to bring them together. People don't realize mm-hmm. that either. There's a lot of egos or a lot of people, and everybody said, oh, it's Tom Brady's offense, Tom Brady's offense. Well, Byron's sitting there still plugging in every day, and them people in that locker room know what Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich put forward into the whole equation. To be really honest, it's not Tom Brady's offense. First of all, it's Bruce Arians' offense with some Tom Brady influence, right? Yep. One of the biggest things I think we saw, and obviously Byron Leftwich, Byron Leftwich in that, but let's not take away the head man who's been offense forever and another quarterback and brilliant guy, Byron Leftwich. And let's say, how cool is it that you mm-hmm. took all of those brilliant football minds- Brought them together. And, right, and took elements to help them be more successful. I think one of the things you saw really like, or that I noticed being kind of different um, from the normal Bruce Arians offense was some of the motions that they did to get the reads, right? You noticed that Tom Brady did much better when they started putting in some more of those motions so he could read the coverages better. Pre-snap reads. Yep. The pre-snap reads were really big. And I, I think that's such a great example how you take ego out of the equation. I mean, we all have ego, but mm-hmm. you don't say I have all the answers. You say, all right, we have a good foundation, but how can we make it better and better accommodate you? Absolutely, absolutely. 
And another couple things that she is giving me jewels upon jewels. International Federation of American Football Women's World Championships is where she won her two gold medals at. So let's not get that twisted. She was performing well before. So in 2010 and 13, when you won those, that was a key walk in into um, your opportunity to be a running back in the men's profession. And so going back even further, I've got myself a rugby player from Boston College who's a defender and a get in your face, get at it mentality. And if you haven't gotten that by seeing her, meeting her, or reading about her, you, you're on another planet. So, you know, all this correlates and goes, but I'm going to talk about the biggest picture that I think is really important. And I spoke to this to Tierra Terry, who is Virginia Union's women's head coach. And, you know, women in sports, we continue to push that. So she is a psychology major and so are you and y'all have y'all's masters and this is implemented into sports and tell me just real quick how important it is to have a sports psych mind frame when handling everything because people don't think about it that way they just drive 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 through the wall get to the promised land or whatever but you have to endure different things you have to put your mind in different places you have to do different things you thought you'd never do and this is all in the realm of sports psychology so so just walk me through a little bit of sports psychology and how you use it and how it benefits you well first of all the reason why i got my master's and then my phd was because there was no trajectory um for a woman in football at that time right there wasn't a place that i could say okay this will serve me well to do this, mm -hmm. right? So what I, what I decided is that if I took my practical experience being one of the best in the world and all that went into that, right? What is it like to play on a dynasty? Well, I know that because I did that, mm -hmm. right? The Dallas Diamonds won four championships in five years, mm -hmm. right? We were the baddest bees on the block, right? People saw us roll up and there was a five. Right. It wasn't just the scheme that you're running. It wasn't just the players that you had. It was the start to finish mentality. Mm -hmm. Right. We set the standard. The coaches didn't have to do it for us. Like you walked onto our field and you found out very quickly what it took to be a diamond. What that's right. So how could I take those experiences and become something in the sport? Because there are a lot of people who have playing experience. And obviously, if it was an NFL player, they would have a natural kind of more credibility or bigger platform than I would, right? Like, so if you were just going toe to toe, but you know, there are also people in sports psychology, but not many people who have a, a, a kind of that magic uh, merger of both. Yes. So I figured if I could take that practical experience and marry it with, you know, that theoretical knowledge, I could be a unique value proposition to the sport. Oh right. my God, that's some have, thesis talk, isn't it? That's, that's, right. that's some thesis talk right that's there. Right. I, I love it. Keep you going. always want to be unique and special, right? Yes, some people will be intimidated by it. There are some people, and I, even in the football community, like, heck no, I'm not having a PhD on my staff. You know, tell us all we're crazy. And I was like, yeah, but so am I, clearly, right? Like, clearly I get you and, and we are all like that. But, you know, that was what I thought, Okay. Now, again, never admit, never envisioned coaching and didn't think the NFL was possible. But when I got my master's, I found out a blind spot. Okay. Um, I was having draft guys and guys getting ready for the combine and draft, like referred to me. And I realized I'd never been exposed to that process. 
right? We didn't have that in women's football. So I didn't have to go to the combine. I didn't have to understand how drafting was done from a GM perspective. So I took, um, I took a sports management worldwide football scouting and general management course. Again, Mm -hmm. didn't want to, didn't think that being a scout was possible. So I wouldn't say I didn't want to, I would say, I didn't even imagine that it was, but I needed to think that way. I needed to understand how players were being assessed, how teams were being built, how players were being valued. So I could reverse engineer it and give guys insight or guidance. Right. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I found out about the Wonderlick test, which is, if you don't know, it's 50 question, 12 minute times test. That's a part of the NFL combine that is supposed to test intelligence. Yes, I do. Every year. Um, very controversial. It's a stupid test. It predicts nothing, but it was grandfathered in long story, Mm -hmm. but finding out about that test was actually from writing scouting reports and seeing, um, you know, a scout who assessed a player as, you know, very high football IQ reads defenses. Well, um, makes great decisions X, Y, and Z, but that's in contrast to surprisingly low Wonderlick score. Yeah. Biased, huh? Just like like a pension. The pension that they have has got two tests, by the way. When you file for pension as a professional former athlete in the NFL, there's two different types of tests. You know, it's color-based. Did not know this. Yes. And so you you skilled me. I figured I had to try and see if you... Mm -hmm. Yeah, please. It is is a base where... And I think uh, Najee Davenport had a, a special and it was another guy, but they were saying that, you know, the test barriers are different parameters based on race, for to determine hmm. if they pay you for your service in the NFL hmm. and the damage for the head. I think it was like the settled case. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just the fact that there's two different ones. That's all. I mean, they, no, absolutely. all went through the grind and together. Probably pre and post or something along those lines. Like you said, grandfathered sure. in. I thought about it when you said grandfathered in. Yep, for sure. And I don't know enough about that, um, but I am curious now. So it makes me want to look into it. Um, to speak on that, but it it was seeing that in a scouting report that made no sense to me as a professional yes. that, and led to what I did my doctoral research on, Yes. right? So there are elements of the game that you look at differently and you question differently because you've been on the field, right? So you just told me this guy was super intelligent on the field, but then you're going to say basically a short form of the SAT makes you doubt whether or not he would be intelligent enough to be a quarterback? Yep. And here's what's the problem from labor and employment law. (laughs) You are not actually allowed to use Mm -hmm. an intelligence test for employment situations unless you have um, statistically significant evidence that that test is predictive of success. Yeah. Yes. So this whole thing, but I wouldn't have known to even look at a scouting report that way if I didn't have on the field experience. And the background, for example, as as a PhD to question some of those assumptions, right? So that ended up being the, I did the PhD the way you shouldn't. Don't ever go out on a mission. I went on a mission. Don't ever do what I did because it made it longer. Uh, Jen, I have to confess, I did the same thing with my degree. So Mm -hmm. audience, I I went the long way and gained all this experience and didn't have the paper. And now I have the paper, but I took that similar route and I don't suggest it to anybody. So I can relate, Jen. And that 
Absolutely. It does make you unique in the sense of seeing it on a double-edged sword. So I completely agree with you on that. It's like people who are my normal audience listeners. That's love she just explained, her love for football. Like every sentence that ended, you could say love for football. And every sentence that ended, love for football. Because she said, I don't know much about this draft process, so let me go and dive in and figure it all out. Because I'd be doggone if you're going to tell me something about what I love and I don't already know or have information or knowledge about it. And that's, I just love that approach. And then I couldn't give insight to people who wanted it, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm going to be in a position where um, I am a trusted person, then I need to understand how I can be of most service. And that meant being able to look at a guy from a scout's perspective, from a GM's perspective, from a coach's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And even if I'm not fluid in it, right? Like, you know, I couldn't tell you the cap space breakdowns and some of that. I know enough to understand where, you know, it intersects with my world and can always gain more information to be a better ally if that's where it needs to be. be, Exactly. But I will tell you, the funniest thing is, do you know, I was making money, getting paid, consulting, Mm-hmm. coaching coaches mm-hmm. on coach athlete relationships and feedback never imagining that I could be a coach and one of the things that I was really big on was coach athlete relationships and understanding different learning styles yes. and leadership styles and yes. knowing that what one person needs isn't what somebody else does yes. and a lot of you know what later people talked about um, with me coaching was that personal element, mm-hmm. right? And the personal relationships that were formed and what I would tell people, and, and you'll get this, right? This was a, an example I gave Mark Sanchez because it's, it's really, it's kind of simple, right? Mm-hmm. And, but if you haven't been in those environments, it wouldn't even necessarily make sense, right? So he said, you know, everybody said you were great on the interpersonal relationships and understanding the guys. How would that, translate to me, for example, like you were coaching me up and I said, okay, Mark, how many times have you run certain plays? And he's like hundreds. And I'm like, right. So as your coach, I know that. I know you have the ability to execute. I've seen you do it over and over and over. So let's assume that, you know, there's no physical difference from one day to the next. There's no injury, no nothing like that. But the next day you come in and you're missing throws, you're missing reads, you know, Things just aren't going right. The difference is mental, not physical. So rather than yelling at you like, what's going on? You know better. It was the stupidest take, da, 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 da. My approach would be like, hey, what's up? Is mm-hmm. everything okay? Mm-hmm. And the it whole thing is to crack the code. The whole thing, and just to, to continue to, to gauge with my, my guys and stuff in this manner is, that we just want to crack the code to solve the problem. That's right. It, some, in the 1970s, yeah, I know it was always yelling. Yelling always did it, but that didn't get the results necessary. So some people do need to be yelled at. Some people do need mm-hmm. to be pepped on the butt. Some people need to be talked to as in a concerning figure. And that's what you meant by an individual operation of player to player. So I yep. 100% get it. I have I a funny one for you. Give it to me. I, I love Calais Campbell. He yeah. is like, First of all, he's the biggest teddy bear in the world. If you don't know him, he's a beast <laughs> I, on the field, but he is so deep and- Soft, well-spoken. Yeah, but he thinks about everything. He cares. 
He cares about his teammates. He cares about, sorry, my chihuahua's on, on the couch and he will walk off the edge. <laughs> or come awake for a second. You know, you gotta, you gotta, gotta know the situation, y'all. The chihuahua will go off the edge. Absolutely. So, you know, and Calais, um was actually the first guy I met when I got to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we kind of almost ran into each other. And I remember being like, oh boy, right? Like, like one more step and I would have been like flattened. Uh, <laughs> Coach Jen Pancake. Um, and he was so wonderful from that day. And we would always have these great conversations. And I remember one day at practice, it was, you know, it was flat, right? Mm-hmm. Like practice was flat. And, you know, Calais always wanted to know how to be a better leader. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Coach Jen, like, I feel like I should have done more before. Like today, we just seem really flat. Like, should I have said something? Should I have like, you know, been more vocal? And I go, Calais, what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. Right? And I just, and he's like, Coach, what? That's you wanted to hype him up. Isn't a fight whip best way to do it? <laughs> and he starts laughing because I was completely kidding. And I said, yeah. I said, can't you imagine? Everybody would have gotten way up. Yeah. And going at it. Yeah. And he's like, I coached Jen. Yeah. And I was like, Calais, just relax. You're not going to be able to fix everything all the time. You know, some of those days are going to be there, right? But you can't, it was not on you. Mm-hmm. The, this practice and the energy right now was mm-hmm. not on you. And so stop beating yourself up. Or yeah. I can pretend to yell at you if that'll make you feel better. About whatever, it. whatever it takes. See, and that personal relationship is built. And that's what you do. You can take advantage of it by understanding their mental train of thought. I'm going to quote you on something. I know you know what it is, but I'm going to go all the way through it. Greatness is a choice you make over and over. And when you choose personal greatness, big or small, it becomes a part of who you are. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Can't you hear that in there, guys? Don't get me wrong. I've had my days as we all have had. I would not have chosen greatness on my own. If it took work, it takes, um, I'm sorry, it takes work, it takes strategy and perseverance. And then it says, don't leave your greatness to chance. I just love it. I I had to read it. I I didn't really have too much more after it. I had to read that because sometimes people need to understand your capabilities come from within. And your capabilities have to start from within. And if you can address the ones from within first, then a lot of times you are able to handle things that are in front of you, as far as we call obstacles and adversity in life. But let me switch that over real quick and and, and talk about this gridiron girls real quick. Can you can you break this gridiron girls movement down? I, I want to know more. I just need to know more. Please help. Me. I can. You know, so I I helped launch NFL Play 60 in Canada. Nice. And um, oh, there was a woman named Tammy Johnson, and she had me as the spokesperson because she said, they need to see you. I want them to know it's for girls and for boys. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time somebody really intentionally put me in a position to, you know, be that person. And I noticed that first it meant a lot to the girls, mm-hmm. but then in the situations that we were going to, it made them feel more comfortable. Right. And then I started getting calls from all my buddies, guest coach at all these camps. And, you know, I go and it would say co-ed, but there might be up to four girls out of 200, which Mm -hmm. meant at most we were getting like 2%. And they'd be like, look, we got, we got three girls. And I'm like, Ooh, right. Like, (laughs) 
right? And so it, it, it is, but what I noticed is that there, you know, there were those girls who were already playing, whether it was with their brothers or their dads or this, that, and they were the ones going to the co-ed camps. Yep. But for the most part, what would happen if they weren't those girls and they tried to step into those situations, they were just a step behind, not because they weren't physically capable of doing it, but because no one had taken the time to break down the fundamentals, right? And they weren't comfortable. I know they weren't comfortable. Well, you're not comfortable because you're behind, mm -hmm. right? You may not have known it that you were behind when you went in, but immediately if everybody else knows how to catch mm -hmm. and you don't, you're behind. And then naturally what, what does the narrative become? Oh, you catch like a girl. No, actually you either catch a football right or you don't. It either, you know, falls on the face, you you show up clapping rather than catching or, you know, a lot of things, but you either catch a football with your diamonds up and right, or you don't, right? You either throw a football <laughs> or you don't, right? And so what I wanted to do with Gridiron Girls was create a place and a space where they could have great football experiences and close that gap, yes. right? Our goal isn't to keep the girls separate. In fact, we let guys come to the camp. I don't mind. If a guy wants to come to a gridiron girls camp, baby, you are welcome. You know why? Because you are cool enough to want to come to a gridiron girls camp. I am good Thanks. with you. Right? But if you, you know, don't think the girls belong on the field, then I'm just going to teach the girls to show you that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to do and what we, we committed to doing is teaching the girls confidence through football and that there is no game you cannot play and no field you do not belong in or on, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't whether you're a boy or a girl, it's do you have the access to the resources and the coaching? And if you're gonna step into football, I want you to have a great football day. So in that day, which usually they're, you know, day camps, it's like four hours, right? Mm -hmm. That we're gonna teach you all of the fundamentals in flag, give you an opportunity to play and make you feel great about it. So if you wanna step out and play street ball when they're playing, you know you have the fundamentals. Exactly. If you want to play in gym, you know you you know you've got a little something for them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Or if you want to go to some of the coded camps, you already got something, and now you're building just like the boys were. It's not zero. So um, it's been incredibly successful. We've you know we partnered with Adidas. Um, that was the first big brand to come in and see us. Um, they did that in 2018. We've done 35 camps across the country, um, partnering with, you know, whether it was we partnered with the Buccaneers, we did their first girls camp. Mm -hmm. We did the Bears girls camp in Alice Hall, which I was like, <laughs> yeah, George like Brown, right? Mm -hmm. I was geeking out. I'm like, girls, you don't know. Um, that love and, came out, didn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, and you know, straight love, right? And you know, we did camp at Super Bowl in Atlanta where the girls got swagged out like Adidas gave them the pro experience. We did nice. some Adidas in Miami where um, it wasn't gridiron girls, but they had the boys and the girls on the same field uh -huh. in the same gear. Yeah. Right. And okay. getting that exposure like these things matter. And all they inclusive. Matter. That's right. And we part we've had great guys like Kevin Minter, who I coached in Tampa came out when we did a camp in New York. Avery Williamson has done at least two. Um, 
you know, we, uh, we have guys that just love the girls camps because they get to see it somewhere different, right? They get to see something different. And it's so much fun to just play at football. It's as pure as it could be. And, you know, and we've had girls go on to like, you know, play tackle. We've had girls go on to play on girls teams, Mm -hmm. girls go on to play on co-ed teams. And we have now had girls go on to play college because if y'all didn't know this, the NAI has their very first girls varsity flag football season this year. Awesome. And that means that this is the start of girls being able to change the trajectory of their lives and their families' lives yes. through education provided by playing football. Never been heard before. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's it's it is a it is an exciting time to um, you know be in the world of football because now you could see a future there, right? Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to be there with the girls and be intentional and be hands on with them and you know share not only my football knowledge but you know, that attitude and football heart and spirit that has gotten me, you know, through football to this place in my life. Absolutely. Because girls need that. We have to be intentional Absolutely. about having them there. And that's why we have the, the guys too. And mm-hmm. if there's a local women's team in that market, we work with them. And so the girls get to see the best women and men in the game. That's and awesome. then hopefully it's full circle because guess what? Then the women and men are on the same field. So they get to coach together, mm-hmm. get to appreciate each other. And we naturally develop those relationships. We've had guys, whether they were former and current, become fans of the women's team, goes out and support them. And then also the girls get to see the women in their market that they could go see play too. The camaraderie, so, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's really been all about how could we create some of the challenges that I I experienced in my career, how could we answer them through these camps, right? Giving women opportunity to coaches, getting women and men out on the field together and giving girls those um, people that they could aspire to be and um, to learn from a a mentorship role. Man, that's awesome. I I just want to know how we can be a part of it and help. I want to know how Virginia can expose this opportunity. I want to know and not be left behind. I know the Washington football team uh, training camp is in Virginia, uh, despite mm-hmm. them playing in Maryland and having a Washington name. Uh, <laughs> but being in Virginia, you know, maybe that's an opportunity because, like I said, it's Commonwealth here and, and women in sports, anything that gets an opportunity to put that on and the platform. Girls have been playing D.C. for years. Yes. D.C. is one of the um, one of the areas that actually has varsity girls flag football. So a very important thing. So Virginia, y'all need to catch up. See, there it is. And that's a really exciting thing too, though. Um, Nike and the NFL have pledged uh, $5 million to start girls high school football programs around the country. So if you are an athletic director, um, if you are looking to increase your high school sports opportunities, that's something that you absolutely need to do. And, and when you kick it off, you know, um, you know, you got to bring in gridiron girls to your first camp and hopefully absolutely. a relationship. Jim, we've got to talk 
after this some more, maybe on some uh, free time because we've, you know, I'm with Parks and Recreation and I, yeah. like I said, Title IX and just giving these girls opportunities and trying to push programming and, and, and letting them see that they have the opportunities that the guys have as well. So I definitely want to work and, and collab somehow and Commonwealth Sports Talk is indebted for your time. You yeah, know, I, absolutely. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And, you know, as I say, when people ask about Gridiron Girls, it's, I say, we have to find a solution, right? Like, and what's important to me is that we get it to the right girls, that we help improve their lives through these experiences. And that means that we need great local organizations and sponsors to help bring it in. We'll bring the camp. We have all of that acumen and stuff. It's just, do we have the resources and the experiences that we can get the girls out there and help change the dynamics for them? Oh yeah, I'm writing that down right now. That's just great food for thought. And so bringing in the camps and bringing the awareness is yep. what it's all about. And I couldn't be more for that. So I'm glad that you have had the time to spread that information. Um, and then know. they transition and you work with the local flag leagues. We're exactly. not gonna run the league. We're, we are here to help you um, create the opportunities and get girls that may not have been in the sport already or the ones that are, we can make them all better, right? Absolutely. It's not just for the girls who haven't played. We have girls of all levels that we've done camps for. We can, and we actually have the capability to do co-ed camps too. Um, it's just, you know, it's so important to really set them out in those good foundations, fundamentals, and most of all, the spirit through which they're coached especially in that first experience. Correct. Correct. I want them to fall in love with the game. Absolutely. And Absolutely. even if they realize that maybe football isn't for them, they know it's not that they, it couldn't be for them if they chose it. Right. Yeah. I had one camp and it was like, it was probably the cutest thing ever. One of the little girls out there was like, I don't, I don't think I like football. <laughs> I said, okay. Well, what do you like? And she goes, I want to be a photographer. And I said, well, and I brought her over to our photographer, Roscoe. And I was like, hey, can she be totally like your assistant today? And he was like, yeah. And so <laughs> you know, even in the even in the setting of that camp, it may not have been football that was for her, but she got to find her place in space. And I always say football is the place that I found out I could be magic. Mm -hmm. And we want you to find that place that you feel like you're magic because yes. it will elevate you in so many areas of your life to yes. realize that you deserve magic. Yes. Because then you you won't take less. Mm -hmm. You'll I know that you can do that. I say it a lot that the youth have to have the same message, which I guess goes separate a lot of times in sports, but sports brings so much confidence, so much self-awareness. You understand who you are. You become more confident in your other endeavors. And so to get that, just starting with that, you know, is a great step, but then to find your craft and then to have great people like you in a position with psychology, your train of thought, not to divert her from football in general, but to find out what she loves. It's not about just getting them to do what you want them to do. It's about getting them to understand their options and then letting them make the choice because they're going to have to walk those steps. And that's, that's right. the steps that I love is your steps that you took through your whole process. It has been nothing short of amazing. Nothing you know, sure. I, I just, it, it's, 
we all have the opportunity to make the world better for those in it. We do. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's important to be intentional about going about it that way for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's not just about getting you, you know, to the fundamentals, right? Like everything that we do, even in terms of our coaching and our messaging is about the empowerment and enjoyment with it. Yes. Right? I'm, I'm intentional with the girls and saying, you know, was I hard on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was sometimes like, because you deserve that. Mm-hmm. Because you- the best gift I can give you is to make you better. Yep. But it, it's important to not only do that, feel that, but also to teach that, mm-hmm. right? That you know why I want you to do this right is because you deserve to do it right. Right there, right there, me. right there, you said it. Back in the day, they used to teach you to run through the wall. Be some great coaches. They teach you to run through the wall, that you love them, you, you've seen them, they're successful, everything. And you just like, I'm gonna do this for that coach. But these days, oh my, these days as a coach, you need to tell them that and to tell them why. If you are not to tell them why and it doesn't correlate to their game plan, you might as well throw that out the window. You know, don't go to war with them because they're not going to run through the wall for you. So when you limit the communication, when you limit the ability to grow mentally with that person and you want to try to keep it separate, that's where you lose a lot of your credibility or your team or your your whole craft. It's gone. And as a coach, you have to be able to be able to transcend to the trust and love. Trust Mm -hmm. and love. Your coach athlete relationship should be founded in trust and love. Yep. Yep. I used to yell at them all the time as a coach, but they said right back to you. Coach, we know you love us. We know you love mm-hmm. us. And I tell them why every time. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't yell without a lecture. Up, oh, here's a lecture. I say, well, you know, the lecture must be the love then because you, right. ain't, you ain't in trouble and I'm trying to talk to you. That's all. Right. Because I want something better for you. Is that the definition of a lecture? Then I'll be right. I'm going to lecture you. All day. All day. <laughs> right? Like I, I am that. That is, that is correct. If a lecture is love and actually wanting you to be a better player and a better person, you're darn right. I lecture with the best of them. You might as well just call me professor. We're going to go. We're going to go now. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm going to have to cut this short and I don't want to trust me. Commonwealth sports talk. This might have a part two. I can't promise it. This is a busy woman, but what I can tell you is that this was very useful, very powerful and very important. So I'm more than honored to have hosted this show and brought you Dr. Jen Welter and thank you for your time. Anything else for me that you may have? Um, no, you know, that's, I mean, that's really it. Um, it's great to be here. I appreciate you building into people and the communities and, um, you know, just y'all find a way. Yes. Right? And find your way through the things that really move you in this world, yes. right? If there are gonna be tons of people who tell you what's not possible, trust me, as a five foot two, a hundred and who knows how many pounds at what time you ask me, um, <laughs> running back or whatever, like there, there are not a lot of people who said, you know what, you'll, you'll make history in football. It never happened. Mm-hmm. But, but I still know why all the guys that's come across you have fell in love with that personality, that drive, that character. I know that because that it's there. I got it right now. That's how it happens in sports. For those who don't know, you, you got a bond. You know, I'm going to be a little extra with this one. As a black man, I be relevant. 
in the conversation, how to have a similar barrier. And so with the similar barrier- Can you say it again? I couldn't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, as a black man, can you hear me now? Okay. Mm -hmm. As a black man, I've always wanted to be relatable and understand everybody's grind in some stretch of the manner. And once when you do that, there's no way they can disrespect you. They can be mad at you still, they can hate or whatever. But when you break that initial, hey, this is what I like, this is what you like, and we like that together, it can go a mile from there, you know? And, and it could have been two different shades of two different walks of people. And, and that's just something I took pride in. And I'm so happy to hear other people speak in that magnitude, especially with bigger platforms. So it just makes me feel, you know, justified of the work in front of me. I, I tell people all the time, empathy is, is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And if you will trust me enough to allow me to experience something or see through your eyes, hear through your ears, feel through your experience, play a game in your cleats, then I can always help you. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're not there yet, that's okay, mm -hmm. right? That takes time. It's, it's hard to let someone in. Mm -hmm. um, and especially as athletes, especially as a man of color, you have been taught never to admit fear, never to admit weakness, because that's where somebody will use it to and exploit you. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I say, you know, I, I'm not saying I can't help, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a good guesser. I'm an educated guesser, mm -hmm. but I will be as great as you trust me to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know. That. If you let me know something upset you and why, for example, say I said something that was offensive and I, I didn't know it, right? Culturally, if I'm not from there, I wouldn't know, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, it, it happens all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's cola or pop, shoot, that depends on where you are, right? Yep. And if you said, hey, coach, we, we don't say that. Or you know what? Like in my family, that meant this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry. Educate me, please. Right? Please let me know. Because if you know my heart, then you know I would never intentionally do something to upset you. Correct. Correct. Right? And if you will teach me, then we're going to be really good teammates. And right. I've done that many times for guys. You know, I would laugh. I'd be like, okay, you do realize you said that out loud, right? Like, yeah. You know, and then what would happen if I would laugh about it and we could work it out as opposed to being offended? Mm -hmm. Then when the guys would be in a situation where, say, a woman was like thrown off with them or their girlfriend or their wife, they'd be like, coach, I don't even know what I did. Mm -hmm. Right. And they'd be like, I'd be like, OK, I speak dude. So would you like me to help you work it out? Yes. They'd be like, yes, coach, please. And, yes. you know, you could come to a way to fix it. But that's that's knowing someone's heart and their intent as opposed to what's you know a, a slip of the tongue that doesn't align with who you know they are now mm -hmm. you know and, and that way we can all get better together but yes. i only know to the extent that you will help me be better correct don't be so quick to judge and give it time and always get substance with it because you never know what a person is going through and that's just exactly how you could take it and that works in all walks of life so 
It does, especially mm. think about a relationship, right? Mm. Don't think go about there. somebody Don't that go. you're dating. And I want to use this, like, <laughs> let's take race and gender out of it. Well, it's still kind of gender, but like, take this situation. We all know that we've been in a situation where an ex did something. Mm-hmm. They used to say something or, you know, they'd hide their phone and they would cheat on you, whatever it is. And then you go into the next situation and you bring that baggage. You bring it with you. You brought that baggage. And this next person would have no No idea idea. why it was a problem. Mm -hmm. And you go off. Mm -hmm. Well, how could they know? Mm -hmm. Instead, be like, hey, I'm sorry. And even if you catch yourself later, I'm so sorry. This is why it was a trigger for me. Yes. Yes. Because then you were upset and it was maybe a little alien, but you can actually teach them to not get into that alien situation again, or you guys get a better communication mechanism, all of those things. But you've got to give the reason because we do have things that are, whether it's race, gender, you know, sex, sexual orientation, religious background, even geography, we all have things that will set us off as individuals that the other person couldn't possibly know mm-hmm. unless we bring them in. Which is why you have to explain, just like we said, don't just tell mm-hmm. me, tell me why too, because that way you can gain a relationship with telling me why, because you're taking the time out to show me you care. You know, yep. telling me to do it, it gives me the opinion to come up with what own narrative I may have based off of my history, not based off I, of all relationship. So that's, that's where the separation grows already right there. So that's why it is essential with communication. And you have me pondering that psychology field right now. So, you know, we're going to, I told you, this is the second time I'm saying it. We're going to have to talk afterwards because there's so many things that I am motivated by. And that is just enough right there. I think there's a lot more to say after that, but I'm motivated just off of this conversation. So good. Well, that's good. You know, I mean, when we connect with great people doing great things, hopefully it does make us want more, want to do more, think differently. Right? That's why we have conversations. Otherwise, we should sit in our own little bubble all the time by ourselves. Yep. And twiddle our thumb. You know how it is. <laughs> uh, with Dr. Jen Walter, it's been a pleasure. Uh, everybody, it's Dr. to y'all. I have been formally introduced, so now I can call her Jen. So we are right. good. Um, but definitely thank you for your time on Commonwealth Sports Talk. I look My forward pleasure. to your future endeavors, also your book, and many more um, challenges that you are looking to tackle. So um my editor he's gonna cut us off probably right there that's fine and so um shit i'm just so happy to have your time like this is i was nervous no you did a great job but now you got no volume and no volume still can't hear me what about now? It all of a sudden went. Whew. What about now? Now you're good. There we go. All right. So like, yeah. yeah. Did good I, job. I was like, I've done 30 something interviews with people in the sports world. I have Brian Stiff coming up next. I don't even know if you're familiar with him, the NBA player with the Denver Nuggets. Okay. Um, at Old Dominion and is a Virginia legend. And so, you know, those are good people from the state and stuff to give its recognition. Um, I have Adrian Motley coming on, who's a woman that's playing basketball overseas, and we did a, a big feature with women in sports. And she was talking about, um, 
she was saying that, uh, you know, the overseas opportunities for women in basketball are more than it is here because of the demand. And we had a big segment where we talked about that. And so, like, um, I was able to do a lot, but I'm telling you, man, I was writing my little notes on you and studying everything. And I was just like, yo, I just want to make sure this is good. And, you know, sometimes, a lot of times, I don't get to talk as much outside the interview with the person. And so it gives me that one opportunity to have that platform with you. Well, you did a great job. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a ton. So you have a busy day ahead of you. I remember hearing as far as your schedule. Six to tenner, I heard. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Long as it add up. Yeah, well, we'll hope so. So you're in Florida now, but don't you? So you've got residents in Florida and California, right? Yeah, this is where my parents live. Um, but nope. California has been so locked down for so long that it was I just. You had to get the hell out of there, huh? Yeah. yeah, now the people here are a little too wild out for me, so I'm still a little bit antisocial, but that's gotta okay. Find a median. <laughs> got to find a good median with that. I do, I do, but at least I got to see them because I hadn't seen them in a year. Yeah, that's definitely. And that's hard. That's definitely important. And so, yo, big shout out to them being raised in Virginia, and I will mention that also on, um, at the beginning when I bring it in, you know, as far as having that connection to Virginia, because that's what my following has been pretty good and they do a good job talking about it. And since I've been pushing women in sports, I've gained like so many new women mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm trying because it's not the point of it. The point, like I'm, I'm a big sports nut, period. I'll talk about any sport. Santia Deck and Gracie Martinez are my favorite football players, women football players that are currently playing right now. Like I reach out to them any sport doesn't matter. And so, um, you know, I just try to reach out as much as I can in the areas that are needed. I don't try to yep. do the watered down crap. I don't try to do the, oh, this is the top headline, the Super Bowl. Like, why, why do I need to post anything about the Super Bowl? Everybody already looked at that. You know what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. I'm hoping people understand the message in regards to just trying to get a different approach as to my purpose. I love it. I think it's great. I appreciate it. And see, and that's like the little promo that you could do. And right there, like I'm going to cut something and make a little promo where you're just giving a shout out to Commonwealth Sports. And I would, you know, be honored to add that in as yes. you know, something that we use. So thank you so much. You got it. All right. You have a good one. I will. You too. Great I will reach out to you on LinkedIn so that way we can continue and then we'll go. Yeah, of course. Let's figure out how to bring a camp out there or something. That's exactly what I want. I, in Prince William, I permit all the elementary and middle school diamond and rectangle fields. So there's no way that I can't get that done for you. There's no way I can't get the football groups here to be a part of it. And so yeah. we'll just figure it out and put it together. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, let's do it. They need it. I love it. I mean, I miss doing those camps so much right now. It's been so mm -hmm. tough. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how y'all had to, you know, revert with the whole program because it was going so, it was booming so fast. Like each year something big happened. Yep. 2020 hit, it's like survive. That's the only word we keep telling organizations, survive. Yep. 2020, like a, like a freaking brick to the face. Mm -hmm. Straight like that. <laughs> well, thank you. And so I'll you let you it. roll out. And like I said, we'll keep in touch. Sounds good. All right, have a good one. All right.